Hey everyone, Pastor Matt here. You are listening to the official podcast of the Evangelical Free Church of Canton. Our prayer is that the Word of God would both transform you and equip you to live a life unleashed for the glory of God. Our desire is that this content would not be a substitute for your regular gathering with other brothers and sisters in Christ. Instead, that it would be a supplemental boost to encourage you as you seek to follow Jesus. Thanks for listening. Now grab your Bible and let's jump into Scripture together. And the rest of you, open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Um, <clears throat> and if you don't have a Bible, that's okay. Um, there's one in the pew in front of you. And if you're using one of those, it's on page 1142. This is where we're going to be. And the most important thing this morning is that we understand from God's Word what it is that we're celebrating and uh, last week we discussed the truth that a lasting peace, everyone say peace. peace, lasting peace is found in Christ. And we discussed that as he entered into Jerusalem on a donkey and yet wept because the people had missed the point. They'd missed the point. Friday we reflected on reconciliation before God, that God brought about uh, by Christ, through His sacrifice. And today, we turn our attention to hope. Everyone say hope. hope. And I, I'm going to ask you a question. Are we hopeful today? Um, this brings about another question. If we, depending on how we answer that question, are we hopeful today? It's the question of, uh, what do we hope for? What is it that we're really, truly hoping for? And if we're honest, we could spend some time going through kind of a list of different things that we hope for. I wrote down just a few. A long life. I hope I live a long life. Or maybe it's a healthy life. I hope for a good job. I hope for successful children. I hope for a happy marriage. You fill in the blank in some way or another. Every one of us at some level has something, and I would argue probably multiple things, that we're hoping for. In fact, it's probably one of the most used statements that we speak. I hope so. I'm hoping that. I hope you have. We say this all the time. Oftentimes without even thinking about it. And if we're honest, we've become so accustomed to hoping that we often don't consider what it means to hope for something at all. And I came across this story this last week as I was preparing for today. It's a story about a man who approached a, a little league baseball game one afternoon. And he asked a boy in the dugout what the score was. And the boy responded, 18 to nothing... We're behind. Boy, the spectator said, I'll bet you're discouraged. And the boy replied, why should I be discouraged? We haven't even gotten up to bat yet. <laughs> so hope can take a lot of different forms, right? I haven't even had the chance to encounter this yet, so I'm still hopeful. While others looking in might go, man, your hope is vain. 
But if we get nothing else out of this morning, I want you to grab hold of one truth. And it's this. If Christ has been raised, then our hope is eternal. If Christ has indeed been raised, then our hope is eternal. Now, it's interesting when we stop and we think about uh, hope and peace, we often don't think critically about distinguishing between these two, but there is a difference between hope and peace. Everyone say there's a difference. There's a big difference. Peace can be an internal calm or more specifically even uh, a freedom from disturbance. Any parents of young children go, I would give anything for a little bit of peace, right? Hope, however, anticipates something that is not yet. It brings about an expectation of something that's not yet happened, that's yet to come. Romans 8 speaks about this when it says, not only the creation, speaking about creation that groans as in the pains of childbirth, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies, for in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not Hope for who hopes for what he sees. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. We don't uh, think critically about this often. But when we come to this day where we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus and we proclaim things like he is risen. We must step back and say. Why is this significant? Why is the resurrection of Jesus important for us to celebrate? Now we're going to turn our attention to 1 Corinthians. And uh, the reality in 1 Corinthians is this church that Paul is writing to. There's this, this, it's, written, it's a letter written by this guy named Paul. If you don't know Paul's story, write down Acts chapter 9. And down the road... This week sometime, go to Acts chapter 9 in the Bible, and you'll see the story of this guy whose name was Saul, who later became Paul. But Saul really spent a majority of his early years persecuting followers of Jesus. And then in the middle of that, the Lord meets him on the road to Damascus, and he is transformed forevermore. He's changed because he witnesses the very one he was persecuting. And so then we see in much of the New Testament, his letters he's writing to seek to encourage churches where they're at. And first Corinthians, the church in Corinth was struggling, struggling simply to follow what is true, pulled back into what their old way of living used to be. And in the midst of this. If you look at verse 12 of 1 Corinthians 15, it says, Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? And what's happening here is this is actually a, was a very common Jewish teaching, that there is no resurrection of the dead. And one of the primary groups to teach that was known as the Sadducees. And I told my Sunday school class a couple weeks ago, I always remember that because they believed there was no resurrection, therefore life ended here, and so they were sad, you see. 
Okay? So there's a little trick. You can remember this. And they would teach this. And so it was common to hear these teachings proclaimed. And there is a problem here. If the church that says we follow Jesus says Christ, there, there is no resurrection of the dead. That doesn't happen. Then they must logically fall back to this place of going, if there's no resurrection of the dead, Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, that's a problem. If you think back to our main idea of today, if Christ has been raised, then our hope is eternal. However, the question comes, what happens if Christ hasn't been raised? And so this is what he spends the next verses discussing. And the first thing we're going to see here is if Christ is not raised, then our preaching and our faith is in vain. Everyone say vain. Look at verse 13. But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. Now, this becomes a problem when we stop and consider what is our faith in. Uh, Now, we could actually do some uh, some inventory and discover That there is a whole variety of different faiths in here. And what I mean by that is, we as people are prone to put our faith in various things. And in fact, every time we get into the car, it's a, it's a step of faith to say, I'm having faith that this car is going to get me from point A to point B. And so when it comes to spiritual faith, what I believe about the world around me, what I believe about what lasts and what doesn't last, if we claim the name of Christ and say, I follow Jesus, then we need to stop and consider, what does it mean then if Christ has not been raised? If he is indeed dead and has not risen again, then why are we preaching a risen Savior? It would be in vain. Why do we believe in someone who's dead? It would be in vain. So it becomes a problem. If Christ is not raised in our preaching and our faith is in vain. And in fact, in verse 17, it furthers this. If Christ has not been raised, then your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. What does that mean? Simply put, we believe that Christ died for the ungodly. That is, I'm not a perfect person. None of us are. And because of that, when we stand before a holy God, we stand guilty. And it doesn't matter whether we've done a little bit wrong here or we've done a lot wrong over here. It doesn't matter. In God's eyes, every one of us is guilty. And therefore, we're left in the space going, what hope do I have then? And so we look to Jesus Friday. We looked at remembering the cross and the sacrifice of Christ who paid the due penalty for us. And then, if it stopped there, my goodness, I'm thankful. I am so thankful that the story doesn't end on Friday. Amen? I'm so grateful that we celebrate Sunday. Because if Christ is not raised, then that means He didn't defeat sin and death. And we are still in our sins. If Christ has not been raised. Your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Now there's another. If Christ has not been raised, look back at verse 15. Then we misrepresent God. Now I don't know about you, but when I read a statement like that in Scripture, 
I go, that's scary to me. If there's anyone I don't want to misrepresent, it's him. Because I'm accountable for that. How is it that we would be misrepresenting God? If we testify to the truth that God raised Jesus from the dead when he didn't, then we make a false name for the God of creation. If God, in fact, did not do what we're saying he did, then we are found to be misrepresenting him. So if Christ is not raised... And that's what's being proclaimed, which Paul has proclaimed to the church in Corinth a lot. In fact, we don't really know why it is that they're doubting that Jesus was raised. Was it teaching? Was it something that had come in that was stirring things up? We don't know. But what we do know is that Paul very passionately encourages and exhorts them to consider what it would mean if Jesus was not risen. If Christ is not raised, we misrepresent God. There's a third thing here. If Christ is not raised, verse 18, those who have died in Christ are gone forever. Verse 16, for if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those who who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. Think about what that means. If our hope in Jesus is only a hope that extends to this physical world, what hope do we have? Even more so when we look around us and we see chaos. We see dissension and division. And family, those listening, if we're not careful, we contribute to such dissension just as much as the people that you may blame for causing the dissension. No, none of us are exempt from this. And if we fix our eyes so fully on this world, and our hope is only in things of this world, and our hope of Jesus is only related to things of this world, we of all people are most to be pitied. Why? For the same reason that Jesus said, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, not treasures on earth, in Matthew chapter 6. Because they disappear. They dissipate. Every one of us at some level here today has experienced great loss. Physical loss. Emotional loss. And when we stop and we consider that, we see loss most glaringly when we have put most of our hope in whatever that thing was. You see? And so if our hope is in something that can be taken away in a moment, we are most to be pitied. And in a moment it can be. But what changes What changes if our hope is not simply in something of this world? What changes? And that's where we go through all of this. If Christ is not raised, our preaching is in vain. Our faith is in vain. If Christ is not raised, we misrepresent God. If Christ is not raised, those who have died in Christ are gone forever because this is all there is. And then there's this one word. Right? Everyone say, but... 
my goodness, this is an important contrasting shift. Look at verse 20. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Christ has been raised. Now, there's a question that when we read this, we should ask, and it's, how do we know? How can we trust or have any confidence that Christ has been raised? And maybe you're sitting here today and you're skeptical of this. And if that's you, I'm super glad you're here. Because this is one of the most important questions we must answer. Because if Christ indeed is risen, it changes everything. It changes everything. In 1 Corinthians 15, earlier in this chapter, if you go back just briefly to verses 3 through 8, we see one example of this, evidence of his resurrection. It says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, And that he appeared, here's where it begins, he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive. Now, why would he say that? Well, if you have questions about whether they witnessed to the resurrection of Christ, go seek out these 500 that are still alive and ask them. Ask them for yourself. Though some have fallen asleep. Verse 7, then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. So the first evidence of this is eyewitnesses who declared, we witnessed this. We saw this. There's another evidence of this that we actually find in Scripture. It's in Matthew 28. When the word of this spread, and the religious leaders were not happy about this. We often forget that, in fact, it was the religious leaders of the day who sought to see Jesus killed. It wasn't the, the world outside. It was the people who said, we follow God and this man misrepresents him. And so when these news of this came, while they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place, speaking about the resurrection. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers. That's first warning sign. Right. So they assembled a group of people. They said, how are we going to how are we going to deal with this? What are we going to do? If Christ was still dead, there would be none of this happening. If the tomb was still full, they wouldn't be paying people off to tell a different story. And what do they tell them to say? Tell people that his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. False news goes all the way back to the Bible family. Okay? This is another major evidence in Scripture that the resurrection actually took place because what this points to is the fact that the tomb indeed was empty. 
He was not there. Now there's this statement in 1 Corinthians 15. He indeed has risen, verse 20, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Now this is a significant term that I want to, I want to hone in on for a moment. First fruits, if we go back to the Old Testament, were the first portion of anything given to the Lord. So the, the first of the crop was brought in and given to the Lord in recognition that the Lord has provided. But there's another significance here when it comes to first fruits. Because first fruits prove that something has changed. It proves that something has grown. Now, when I thought about this, there was an image that came to my mind. And my wife and I love to garden. It's one of our favorite things to do in the summer. And so we love to experiment with different things we'll put in the garden. How many people enjoy gardening in here? How many of you? I, I know there's a lot. And uh, we have some really funny stories about gardening. Um, the first year we did a garden, um, my wife was just learning and she bought, I think, 15 tomato plants. And we had so many tomatoes. It was, there was so many. So we, we learned every year. But the early on, early on, there was one end of our garden that regardless of what we put there, it would not produce. Nothing would grow. And then one day I was out there digging and prepping and I hit something and I kept digging and kept digging and I found a tile upright in the garden and I dug down more and more and I got down about a foot and a half to two feet and I hit peat gravel. And what I discovered was years before we ever put a garden in here, the previous owners had dug around the house and put drainage tile all the way around to keep water out of the basement. Therefore, what was happening was the water was going away and so nothing was being sustained there. Nothing would grow. But we decided to change our approach and for the first time in our gardening, we planted watermelon. Now, if you don't know much about watermelon, watermelon loves lots of water, but it doesn't like the water to stay there. That's why if you go south to southern Illinois in sandy soil, you see all these melons growing. And in fact, we, we planted watermelon plants and our first year planting these watermelon plants where we could grow nothing else, we, we grew 25 pound watermelon. 25 pound watermelon. We, we couldn't believe it. It's incredible. These, in fact, were the first fruits of our watermelon crop. And so guess what we did next, the next year? We put watermelon there. Why? Because the first fruits proved to us that it would indeed grow. And then this was last year. And once again, we had more huge, delightful watermelon. And so in the midst of this, where this intersects with the resurrection is Christ's resurrection proves that our hope extends beyond this world when our eyes are fixed on Jesus. If Christ has been raised, our hope is eternal. It's the first fruit of that. And we see this contrast here in verse 21. For as by a man came death, by a man has 
come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Uh, What is this teaching? It emphasizes this reality that in Genesis chapter 1, when Adam and Eve are in the garden and Adam sins against God, sin enters the world. The fruit of Adam's actions is sin and death. The fruit of Christ's victory is life and hope and joy and peace. There is a difference. If Christ has been raised, the fruit of Adam is death, the fruit of Christ is life. It's like two types of fruit trees. I know that those of you who garden would never plant an apple tree and expect it to grow oranges. But so often, we root ourselves into the things of this world and expect it to produce life. And we find great disappointment when the fruit of that tree blossoms and we don't see the life we expected to see. So where do we find that? John chapter 15 actually speaks about being grafted into the vine of Christ to abide in Jesus Because he becomes the source of everything else that's produced. So I ask, in the midst of that, where have we grafted ourselves into? Into the world around us? A hope that is here? Or a hope that is eternal? No matter how hard we try to create lasting life ourselves, we will fall short. Lasting life is found in the one who has already risen from the dead. And a miracle happens when we are grafted into the vine of the Savior. A miracle of life and hope. In the last section of this this portion of Scripture, verse 23, it says, Right after, in Christ, all shall be made alive. And when we think about that, we reflect on John 1, who, to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Verse 23, but each in his own order, <clears throat> Christ, the first fruits, that's the beginning. Then it is coming those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God, the father, after <clears throat> destroying every rule and every authority and every power for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. You see, family, we really make the mistake of mixing the order of these things up and convincing ourselves that we need to see all these results over here before I'm really rooting into what is true. The reality of what Scripture teaches us is, do we believe, in fact, that Jesus is risen? Do we hold fast to the truth that He is alive? Because that makes or breaks everything else that we would seek to put our faith in. If we don't believe that Christ is alive, that He's risen, then we, we, we should stop here and just put our hope in the things of this world. And yet, when we look at the world, do we see hope? When we look at the world, do we see peace? Many times anymore, it's hard seemingly to find joy because the things that we thought would give us life and hope and peace and joy have let us down. 
if Christ is risen, then our hope is eternal. If our eyes are fixed on the one who has had victory. So the application in this is a simple question. Is our hope rooted in something that lasts? Is your hope rooted in something that lasts? I can testify in my own life that the, the things of this world have let me down. Most recently, I was uh, in recognition of the things of this world letting me down. I had to pay my taxes. Right? Seriously, come on. <laughs> there is no joy in that. <laughs> None. Zero. <laughs> but if I look at the pattern of my life over and over again, I've been hurt by people. Relationships have let me down. I've been let down by this hope of the pursuit of material things because you think it's going to satisfy and then as soon as you think you're satisfied, there's something else, right? I've been let down by my physical body when I face sickness or illness. The other day I went to the eye doctor because I was having some blurriness in my vision and uh, the eye doctor I went to just simply said, um, well, you're over 30 now. <laughs> it was the first time I'd heard that. Okay. That's <laughs> what we're going to deal with. So all this to say is our hope in something that lasts. I can testify to one constantly consistent reality since I gave my life to Jesus is that every time I face one of those hardships I know and I can speak to myself praise God this is not all there is praise Jesus that he has not simply given us this broken world as it this isn't it and so if we believe that Christ has indeed risen, then it should bring and instill in us a testimony of joy and faithfulness to say we're going to persevere through the hard because we have hope in the eternal. And we have hope in the eternal because of Him who has conquered the grave. Amen? I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward. We're going to prepare to sing. And as they do, uh, we're going to have our four people today who are going to get baptized, proclaiming victory in Christ. Um, they're going to go backstage and get changed. But I want to read one more section of 1 Corinthians 15 as we prepare to finish this morning's celebration. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 54 through 58. It says, when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. He is risen. He is risen. Father, as we declare these truths, may we hold fast to the truth that if Christ is indeed risen, then our hope is eternal. It does not end on this earth. May we proclaim the glories of his goodness and walk in faithfulness as we declare this joyous truth outside of these walls for your name's sake. May you be praised in Jesus name. Amen. Amen.